If you guys are like me, in high school, you had things at the end of your senior year where they would vote for people to be like the most popular person. Anybody out there, when you were a high school senior, you were voted the most popular kid, you know, you won that vote? Okay, good, I'm in good company here then. Uh, How about like best looking, somebody win that? Anybody win best looking? A a couple of you guys won best looking. Uh, Nobody liked you, I'm just letting you know right now. Raise your hands up again so everybody can see you so they can beat you up afterwards, okay? no. You know, that we, we all had these awards and we wanted to win those awards. And I remember when it was our senior year and, and they were coming up for, for those awards. And, and I remember I was nominated for one and I was like, man, I wanna, I wanna be nominated for, you know, to be most successful. That's what I want to be because, you know, if I was voted most successful, then of course I'd be most successful. Of course, I wasn't voted for that. I was voted most talkative. And, uh, <laughs> and so I guess it kind of fit out well that I ended up being a pastor and I just talked to people all the time. But I, I was like, man, this is, this is a horrible, horrible award to be voted most talkative. But, you know, at your 10-year class reunion, for you, those of you guys that have been to your 10-year class reunion, everybody wants to come back to see what's up with what's happening in that stage of life, right? Everybody wants to know like, oh, that person that was voted most successful, are they really successful? That person that was good looking, do they have a beer gut now or are they, or do they have lots of Botox? You know, what's happening in their life? Cause I want to know what's going on, what's taking place. And so I remember going back to our 10 year reunion and my wife, she won an award too. She, she won the award of racial harmony. She was friends with everybody. So everybody liked her. And if you know her, she is like really sweet and nice. And so you understand why everybody likes her, but we got there and everybody's walking around there. They're asking, the first thing you ask everybody at your 10 year reunion is, is what do you do for a living? You know, because we wanna see, we wanna gauge your success level. We wanna see how you are in life, if you have truly arrived or not. And so uh, I remember we're walking around and, and just talking off on and talking to our old friends and stuff. And people are, what are you doing? Oh, I'm an architect or I'm a whatever. And I remember people, oh, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Get the beep out of here. You're not a pastor, are you? And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm a pastor, man. They're like, I just don't believe that. And, and I remember, you know, in that, and, and I w- they would go, well, if you're a pastor, how big is your church? And, you know, and that's like the measurement every pastor wants to be measured by. And, and at the time I was working at this really, really big church, and I was like, man, we're like 4,000 people, man. They're like, man, that's a big church. You're the pastor of that church? And, and I was like, yeah, man, I'm one of the pastors at the church. And, and, and I would say that like that all the time, except one guy actually caught that I said I was one of the pastors at that church. And because um, I was feeling really good about myself. I was feeling like, man, I'm the most successful person here. Like I, I'm in my profession. I'm at the cream of the crop. I've risen to the top. I'm, I'm like legit. And God's like, you're one of the pastors. Does that mean you're not like the real pastor? I was like, no, I'm, I'm a real pastor. He's like, are you the guy that talks every week? I was like, no, I'm not the guy that talks every weekend. He's like, so you're not really a real pastor. You're like a fake pastor. I was like, no, I'm still a real pastor. And all of a sudden, all of my worth and value just went down the toilet right there, you know? It's like, because I had built everything on my value, my worth, my identity in who I was and what I was doing and what I was doing, you know? And, and, and so many of us, we fall into that same trap, man. We find our identity. We find uh, who we are and what we're gonna do in life based on this is what I'm doing with my life and it's how successful we are. And we base it on, man, that, that thing that this, I am what I do. And uh, Solomon was a lot like this in the Old Testament and he was supposed to be the wisest guy in all of the world. And, and he said this in Ecclesiastes 2.10, he said, my heart took delight in all of my work 
And this was the reward for all of my labor. In other words, look at what I've done. I've built uh, this great kingdom and I've got all this money and all these buildings and I'm like, man, I'm the man. And uh, just so you guys know, we're having some technical, oh, I think they got it working, Never mind. Um, Typically, verses are up on the screen. So um, he said, like, I'm the man. And that he said in verse 11, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the, the wind. And basically, if we believe the, the lie that I am what I do, I am what I do, then our identity, our identity comes from so many of the wrong places. Man, it comes from all the, all the things that we can physically do in life. And what it does is it gets us caught up in this lie that if we believe it as truth, will continue to suck us into a life that we do not ever really want to be a part of. And God wants to do some things in our life today, and he wants to reveal some truth to us. And I know a lot of times we don't like the truth because the truth hurts. You know, it's painful at times, but I believe that God wants to reveal some truth so that we can experience the fullness of what he has for us today. And so today what I want to do is I want to go through a couple areas where I think that we have the tendency to jump into and think, man, that I am what I do. And it's based on these areas that we come to a lot of false conclusions about ourselves. And the first one is this, is when we believe the performance lie, our identity wrongly comes from what we've accomplished. We think, man, if we've accomplished something, then that is exactly where our identity is going to come from. And it, and it starts in grade school, man. It's like, man, if, if I get perfect attendance or I get the conduct award or, or I win the spelling bee, man, then I am going to be something great in life, man, because I've achieved this. And, and we do it all the time in our lives. We think, man... This month, I, I had the most sales in my, in my company, and, and I did all this. And because we achieved those sales, man, we are successful. But then next month, when we don't have very many sales, and we're near the bottom, we, we think of ourselves as, man, we're losers. Or what happens is, is we go through life, and we make great grades, and we're doing all these things, and we think, man, I'm a success in life. I'm an intelligent person. But if we ever go out there and make a D, it messes us all up. And we do this so many times, and we think, man, that my performance is going to determine my worth in life. And some people become, like, really sick in this, and they start putting that on their kids, and so they start comparing their kids. They're like, my kid can do a back handspring double flip into a rounded tuck and, and your kid can't even do a somersault. And so you're sorry, you know, and you get your worth based on that. Where you think to yourself, you know what, M man, my kid is really good. When he's really good, man, that's my kid. But when he's bad, that's your mother's child, you know. And you, you start blaming those other people because there's no way that you can believe that because we've bought in this lie, it's based on our performance, that we always have to be doing the next best thing. That we always got to be performing in order to be valued in life. And therefore, we get hung over in this idea then that we We've got to be doing stuff. We've got to be accomplishing, 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 or we miss out on what God has for us. And I know a lot of us fall into that trap. A lot of us fall into that area where we think, man, I've got to keep doing that thing. The second area that we, we fall into that, that if we believe the performance lies that um, a lot of us, our identity wrongly comes from what we have. It wrongly comes from what we have, man. If, if you walk out and you've got this slamming six-pack and this, this, this buff body and stuff, you think, man, you've got it all going on and you think, man, I'm awesome. Or if you don't have that, you think, man, I'm just a fat tub of goo and nothing good is ever gonna come for me. And so we have this idea that, that man, based on what we have, that's what we're gonna, and so we look at that person with the car and we're like, oh, that is the epitome of success. And so what do we do? We go out and mortgage our entire future, get this fat-looking BMW or Mercedes we got 72 months of payments, man. We get our, we get our $250 jeans on and we put on some awesome shades and our shiny leather seats and we go down, we roll down the road and we feel good about ourselves because of what we have. 
knowing that we just crippled the rest of our financial life, but nobody needs to know that because we have that thing and we feel successful. And we feel like, man, I am this because of what I have in my life. Or we say to ourselves, man, it's, it's because of the clothes I have or the vacations I go on or do you know what school my kid goes to? Or what my 401k looks like? And we wrongly buy into this lie that, man, our identity, our, our value, our worth, we get hung over in this thing that, man, we gotta perform. I am what I do because of what I have. Another area that we wrongly identify with and we believe this lie is that it comes from what people think about us. And this is, this is a tough one because, you know, as a kid, it, it's, you're taught this all the time, man. If I'm a teacher's pet, man, I can, I can get to be hall monitor and I'll get to tell on people and then the teacher will like me because I'm a good kid. Or, or man, if, if, I, if I do this, you know, if I'm out there and, and I work harder than everybody else, then, then man, I'll be more successful. And, or as a pastor, man, I fall into this all the time. When people are walking out, if they say, good job, pastor, that means I did really good that week. But if they say, have a nice week, that means I sucked. And therefore, like, they're probably not going to come back next week. And I find my identity based on those things in my life, what people think about me. And it throws us into a tailspin in our life because we're constantly like, oh, I wonder what that person's perceiving. I wonder what they're thinking about. I wonder if they like these jeans on me. I wonder if this makes my butt look big. You know, all those things. We're constantly evaluating what other people think about us rather than finding out what God truly says about us. And what we have to remember and we have to never, ever forget it is you are not what you did, you're not what you do, and you're not what you're going to do. You are who God says you are. You are who God says you are. And so many times we get, we get settled in this idea that, man, it's our performance that bases our worth. And that is not what God says at all. It is not our performance that bases our worth. It's what God values us already as that, value, that makes our worth in life. And we are who God says we are. And, and those of you guys that are out there are Christ followers, I would ask you this, who are you? Who are you? Because most of us, we would identify ourselves as, man, I'm a carpenter, or I'm a football player, or I'm, a, I'm an accountant, or I'm a, I'm a stay-at-home mom, or I'm a, I'm a business analyst, or I'm, I'm a lawyer, or I'm a clerical person, or I own a painting company. We identify who we are with what we do, and that is not what God is talking about here. He's talking about who are you? Who are you? And this is what God says. God says, man, you're a child of the Most High. You are, you are a, a chosen one. You're a royal priesthood, man. You are a, a son of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And man, there is greatness within you. And instead of relying on what you can do to get all those things, we need to understand that who we are in Christ is gonna identify us more than any other thing. And it will get us out of this idea that we get hung up on because so many times it's important that we don't mix up what, who we are and what we do. Now, what we do is important, but we got to understand who we are. And I love what Ephesians says. It says, it says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. See, God wants us to do the right things, but he wants us also to understand that, man, we're created to do some things, but we are, we are first of all, his workmanship. That's who we are, man. We are something in him. And because we are something in him, there's something for us to do, not the other way around. Not that we do something and then we are something to him. Which is, which is the dilemma that a lot of us find ourselves in. And, and what happens is we get these ideas, and I want you to write this down. It's, it's in your notes. And it's this idea that what we, should do, what we do should be a result of who we are. And what we, don't, what we do doesn't define who we are. 
What we do is a result of who we are. What we do doesn't define who we are. And as a kid, man, I was obsessed with this performance mentality. I'm still kind of obsessed. And I thought if I could be the best athlete, if I could be the best student, if I could be the best ping pong player, if I could be the best at, at running, if I could be the best at whatever, then I would please my friends, I would please my family, then I would be this in their eyes, I'd be that in their eyes, and I would continually be doing that. And, and I got so messed up as a kid that I thought, man, if I get a B in school, it's equivalent to an F because that isn't the best. That isn't performing at the optimum level, and therefore, I'm a failure. And my parents saw this, and, they were, and, and I'm so thankful because I remember they saw that this, this wicked tailspin was happening in my life, that I was so obsessed with performing and making things happen. They decided, man, we've got we've to get him some help, and we've got to get him to talk to somebody. And one day they asked me, who do you really respect? You know, who is somebody that you really admire in our community? And I remember there was this doctor that I really, really admired. I thought he was this cool, cool guy. He was actually a dermatologist. So, like, not only could he pop your zits, but he was, like, a really cool guy. So it was an awesome combination for a teenager. And, uh, and so they set up this appointment and we went in there and, you know, we did the, the doctor thing. And, and then when we were getting ready to leave, he said, Hey, I've, I heard that, that you, you really admire me. And I was like, man, I do. He's like, and he asked me this question. He goes, why? And I said, man, well, you're, you're a really good guy. You know, you like to help people. You're, you're always there when people need somebody to talk to you. And I just listed all these things and, and, and he stopped me and he was like, um, let me ask you a question, you know, because that's kind of interesting. Do you think that I was uh, the most popular kid in school, or do you think I was like the nerd? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, you're a doctor, so you're probably pretty smart. You might have been a nerd. I, I don't really don't know. He's like, do you, think, do you think I was the most athletic kid, like I had all these opportunities to play uh, sports, or do you think I was the kid that got picked last in dodgeball because he was the easiest kid to get out? And I was like, I don't know. You're a doctor. You're probably not very athletic, you know. So, I, I mean, I'm going to guess no, but I don't really know. And, and then he was like, you know, do you, think, do you think I was the best looking in high school? Do you think everybody was, was doing, you know, thought that I was going to be the most popular, best looking kind of person, or was I kind of not any of those things. And, and I was like, man, I, I really don't know. And he's like, you know, the interesting thing that I found here in talking with you is that you respect me more for who I am than what I do. He said, you respect me more for who I am rather than what I do or how I perform. And uh, because it's so interesting to me because we confuse what we do with who we are. And if we continue to do that, if we continue to think like, I am what I do, then we become human doings rather than human beings. And we miss out on the point of what God intended for our entire lives, and that isn't for us to be doing all kinds of things, but being something that he created us to be. And we are not what we've done. We are not what we are doing. We're not what we're going to do. Man, we are who God says we are. We are who God says we are. And since he's the author and creator of our lives uh, and he's got this incredible call and since he is the, the most powerful being on the universe and he, he gives us power and he gives us authority, man, we better start listening to who he says we are and so that we can understand and we can let him to define the important things in our lives because so many times we're buying into the unimportant that is defining the rest of our lives. And I believe that today God wants to set some people free that have this idea that, man, I've got to perform to be accepted. I've got to perform for people to 
like me. I've got to perform in order to, to have a relationship. I've got to do rather than who God has called you to be. And so what I want us to do is I want us to look at two things that I believe that if we can grab a hold of these things, if we can grab them and we can put them in our lives based on what God says about us, it will totally transform us from having this performance mentality and being hungover in our past to being who God says we are. And that is an incredible, incredible thing. And this is the first thing. If we're going to let God define our lives, is what I call the do's and the don'ts. We got to let God define the do's and the don'ts. And it's this whole idea that we got to let God define what we will do, and we got to let God define what we won't do. And for those of you that with a performance mentality, let me just tell you right now, man, I understand where you are in life. I understand that you're stressed out, that you're maxed out. You got more on your plate than you could ever imagine. The reason that I know that you have that is because I do it to myself all of the time. And what happens is because you believe your worth is based on what you do, you've always got more plates spinning than you can ever handle. And that is not what God ever intended for your life. God never for, intended for you to be having 27 plates spinning and trying to put another one up at the same time. He never intended for your life to be like that. And God doesn't want you doing all that stuff. And I love what Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30 says. It says, and this is Jesus talking. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Some of you, man, you don't have any idea what rest is. You've never really experienced that. And he goes on to say, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. But for most of us, man, we hear my yoke is hard and my burden is really, really heavy. The reason why is because we got PTA meetings we got to be at. We got to get the kids to soccer. We got to get them to, to softball practice. We got to get them to karate lessons. And then we got tournaments on the weekends. And so therefore we're going to miss church. We're going to miss relationships because they got to play a game on Sunday. And so we go off and let me not even get started on that. But we got all this stuff going on that's occupying our time. And, and we've got all these things and we're overwhelmed because we've got so much stuff to do in our lives. And Jesus says, man, if you're yoked with me, man, if, you, if you're taking on the burden that I give, if you're doing those things, the burden that I have is light. The yoke that I have is really, really easy. And this is the whole thing. If, if we will embrace that, he will empower you to be filled with this life full of joy, that will be filled with this life full of purpose, that will not feel like you've got too much going on, but you'll feel like, man, I'm doing something exactly what God wants me to do, but, and I'm not doing the things that he doesn't want me to do, because this is the whole thing. Jesus, while he was walking the earth, he didn't do everything. He did whatever he heard his father tell him to do. You know what that means to me? Jesus said no to a lot of things. Jesus, there was a lot of good things that could be going on, but he would just say yes to the right things. And so many of us, we have not learned how to say no to anything because we, we, we wanna be effective at everything. We wanna be good at everything. And this is the thing, we weren't designed to be good at everything. We weren't designed to perform in every area of our lives. We weren't designed to be the best at every single, single thing that we do. And if we wanna be effective and pleasing in our relationship with God, we gotta realize that we gotta say no to a lot of things. Some of you guys, how many of you guys have a hard time saying no to things? The majority of good, man, we're going to take up an offering later, and it's going to be awesome. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But honestly, man, I have a hard time saying no to things. It's hard to say no to things because there's so many good things out there to say yes to, aren't there? It seems like at every corner, at every corner, at every turn, there's something that's good that's there. 
There's something that seems like it could take up your time, that it could, it could take up this hour of time, or it could take up that hour of time, or it could take up this part of my work schedule because there's a lot of good things out there. But you know what? There are some really great things that we need to put in priority over those that we need to say yes to, and that means we gotta say no to some things. And let me just tell you something right now. When you learn to say no, you're gonna piss some people off because people don't like it when they're said no to. People don't like it when you say no to things, but here's the thing. I've learned to say no. I've got a really, really good reason at home. It's my wife that I say no to a lot of things because that relationship is more important to me than any relationship besides God. And I will say no to you all day long on my date night because she is that important. Because I'm saying yes to the right things. And some of us need to start evaluating our lives and start saying, you know what, God, what is the things that I need to do and what are the things that I don't need to do? What are the things that I need to be saying yes to and what are the things that I need to be saying no to? And we gotta understand what those things are because we all have these to-do lists in life. Anybody else have a to-do list? We have lots of to-dos. And how many of you guys like checking something off your to-do list? Feels good, man, glory to God. It's, it's like hallelujah. Heaven just came down because you just checked something off your to-do list. Some of us need to have a don't list. Man, I'm not gonna do that. Man, I'm not gonna be hanging out at the club anymore. I don't need to be doing that. That's not where I'm gonna, that's not where I'm gonna find the guy of my dreams. I'm just gonna tell you that, ladies. The guy of your dreams is probably not at the club. Amen? Guys, the girl of your dreams is not at the club either. Amen? I didn't think you'd probably get any amens there, but I'll just tell you that right now. Some of us, man, we need to learn that, that less is more and that less is better. And when I learn to say no to things, I start to become better at what God has called me to say yes to. Second thing that I think is, is really, well, let me, let me just put the scripture in here really quick. It's Proverbs 20, 25, and I think it's so good. It says, it says, it's a trap for a man to dedicate himself to something rashly. Say, man, sure, I'll do that, only later to consider his vows. And what God's saying to you is, man, before you say yes to something, why don't you ask him to see if that's the right thing to say yes to or if that's the right thing to say no to? Is this what I should be doing or this is what I shouldn't be doing? And let him define that in your life. Number two, and this is a, this is a big one, and, and this is a big one that people will struggle with. Let God define the when and the then. Let God define the when and the then. And for those of us that, that live with a performance mentality, man, this is a big one because, because we say, I am what I do. We have this long list of the whens, but the thens very rarely ever come. When I am financially successful, then I will start to trust God. When I have the career that I want, then I'll work on my marriage. The then very rarely ever comes. And what happens is, is, is we, we miss it. And James talks about this very thing in James 4, 13 and 14. He says, now listen, you who say, you winner thenners, today or tomorrow, when we go to this city or that city, spend a year there and carry on business and make money, why don't you even know what's going to happen tomorrow? Tomorrow is not a promise, the Bible says. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. The whens and the thens. The whens and the thens. And we miss out on the whens and the thens in life. And Mary and Martha, in, in a story with Jesus, man, they're the greatest example of the when and the then. Because you have, you have Mary who goes and, and they have Jesus over to, her, to their house and, and she goes and sits at his feet and just hangs out. And then you have Martha who is probably like the majority of us who is, who is in there working, cleaning up the house, making sure it looks good, making sure that nobody's gonna see any spot, making sure that all the cooking's done, saying to herself, 
man, I wish Mary would get in here and do some work. I wish she would come in here and do something. And she goes and she kind of tells on Jesus, like, hey, Mary's not doing anything. And Jesus says, listen, man, you're missing out. She has picked the better thing to do because a lot of us, we have this mentality, when all this stuff gets done, and this is probably what Martha was thinking, when I get the dishes done, when I get the house cleaned up, when I get the the food situation, then I'll have time for Jesus. And Jesus says, man, you missed it, girl. You missed out on what was important. And how does this play out in our lives, man? It plays out like this every single day. When the kids get older, then, you know, we'll spend some quality time together. It'll be good, we'll have a good relationship. Or when we get a career established, you know, then we'll start uh, getting ready to have a family. Or, or when we get financially set, then we'll start to you know, move forward in our relationship. You know, when we get our careers all in the right place, then maybe then we'll get married you know, and, and we'll stop living together and we'll in sin and we'll start being in a, in a healthy relationship. Or when we get this paid off, we'll, we'll take care of, of those things over there. And so many of us, man, we just allow the whens and the thens to play this nasty, nasty game in our life. Because when we have this performance mentality, it seems like when this happens, there's always another when there just around the corner. There's always something else that's going to come up that's going to be another when in our lives. And we never, ever get to the thens. We never get to that point. And, and this, is, this is the problem, is that we miss out. We miss out on what God wants to do. I visited this guy a couple of years ago that was in the hospital. He was dying, and, and by the American standard, everybody would look at his life and say that, like, he was the epitome of success. I mean, he, was, he had this incredible lifestyle. He had this incredible life, and, uh, and I remember I was sitting next to the bed with him, and, uh, and he just started crying. And, and I was like, man, I've, I've never seen a guy like this, you know, this, this powerful guy that has sat in corporate boardrooms and, and uh, been in charge of Fortune 500 companies. And, and he was sitting there, and he was just holding my hand, and he started crying. And he, and he said to me, he said, man, the things that I thought were most important, and I knew exactly what he was talking about when he said this to me, the things that I thought were most important, the career my job, uh, you know, the 401k, the house that we had, the, the, the townhouses in New York and, the, and the, the chateau kind of ski out, ski in thing in Colorado, all those things. He said, I thought the things that were most important in my life, those things, they stole from me what was important. The things that I thought were most important stole from me what truly was important, the when and the then. And I don't know if it's hit your life, but it's hit mine. I know for, for us, a lot of times, I, I, I say for us financially, when we're financially set, you know, when we've got three months of savings in the bank, when we have this, then we'll start to do that. I said it for a long time with, with a family. I said, Shayla, when, when we get a house and when we get a couple of cars that are paid off and when we have all this stuff, then we can start to have kids. And I would continually do this when this happens, when this happens. And one day she just looked at me and said, is, is then ever going to happen? Is then ever going to happen? And so many of you guys are saying to yourselves, when this happens, then we'll start to raise a family. Let me just tell you something. Your kids are going to grow up and be gone. You know, some of you guys are saying, when this happens, then I'll be generous and I'll trust God. And God is saying, man, I've got blessings for you right now. Some of you guys are saying, you know, when, when uh, you know, I, I have more stability in my life, when I have more time, then I'll, then I'll give God some of my time and serve him in, in different ways. 
And God is saying, what's wrong with the life you have right now? Man, there's opportunities that are available to you right now. And so many of us, we just, we just act like consumers and we say, when, man, when, 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 when. And the then number never, ever happens. The things that were most important stole from me the things that were important. The most important things, guys, are not what you do. They're right in front of you. They're not your career. They're not your financial statements. They're not your, uh, you know, cars or your houses or any of that stuff. The most important things are your relationships. The most important things are, is the, the impact you can have in other people's lives because of the love and devotion that you have for Christ that's shown through you to them. And I'm passionate about this, and I'm, I want us to understand this, man. It is not what we do. It's not what we have done. It's not what we're ever going to do. It's who God says we are. And if we can grab hold of who God says we are, and we realize that we are these incredible, incredible kids and children of God with a purpose and a plan, man, we can change the freaking world. But so many of us are trying to perform our way to heaven. So many of us are trying to perform our way to acceptance. And God is just saying, man, I accept you right where you are. Man, I love you with an uncontrollable love. And I would go over and over and over again to the cross. And I've already done all the performance, man. I already gave it all. So you don't have to give anything. You just got to come and trust me. And it's time for us to stop continuing to go out there and try to perform. We got to trust that who God says we are is who we are. And then we got to live out what Colossians says. It says, whatever we do, whether in word or deed, whatever we do, he says, do it. He doesn't say do part of it. He says, do it all. Do it all. In the name of the one who did it all for you. We don't do because we're trying to perform. We do because that's who we are. The doing comes out of who we are in Christ, not performing so that we can be something for Christ or somebody else. And today I believe that God wants to bring some freedom to some of your guys' lives because you've been trying to perform so other people will accept you all of your life. And you're wondering why you've never been accepted because they can never give you the who. All you can ever be for them is the do. But when we recognize the who comes through Christ, it changes everything. And today God wants you to recognize the who you are in him. Let's pray.